welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where the bad takes only upset us. Not half as much as they upset me! <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering the 2011 film adaptation of Colin Clark's memoir, my week with Marilyn. Oh my God, guys, it's so romantic. What a what a way to end it off, huh? What a way. Oh, brother. I know, guys, it's less of a film and more of just a bunch of vignettes of this memoir. <laughs> <laughs> this really was an experience where I saw a film and then I came back to it 10 years later and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Thanks for letting me pick it, though. You're welcome. It does make you feel some kind of way. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M, for the love of God. Pretty please with sugar on top. We would love to see more followers on the Twitter. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. And that's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. And don't forget, guys, the Patreon is still active. Absolutely it is, guys. There has never been a better time to give us your money. For just $5 a month, you too can be a little onion contributor at the $5 level. Guys, you're getting access to all of our television coverage, not just films, all of our long-form coverage. There's 50 bajillion episodes of The Haunting of Hill House from Netflix and our coverage of HBO's John Adams over there waiting for you right now. That was a long six months for me, so if you could like go just over go there listen and listen. To it. Just go listen oh, to I'd it. Oh, I'd appreciate it so much. We recently did an episode where I read you like a romance situation and you had to tell me whether it was a film or real life. Yeah, and I... <laughs> that was wild. Go give that a listen. And guys, if you want access to our full catalog of main feed goodness, you go on over to our Podbean page. There you can get a custom RSS link and listen in any player of your choosing. All right. Guys, you're going to have to forgive us. Our voices are a little strained uh, this week. We've been sicky. Yeah, we're a little behind. I'm a little stressed about it, but we're going to try and give you a good show. To Be all 10 of you that are listening, we love your patronage very much. <laughs> Stop! I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not diminishing. I'm not diminishing. It's more than 10. Okay. Please tell me it's more, more than, than 10. 10. <laughs> Please tell me. Gentlemen, it is my special pleasure to introduce a woman who clearly needs no introduction. A very great actress on her first trip to London. Marilyn, is it true you wear nothing in bed but perfume? Oh. Darling, as I'm in England, let's say I sleep in nothing but Yardley's lavender. <laughs> I long to see her. This story describes a miracle. Miss Monroe. Marilyn is not ready. Excuse my horrible face. A few days in my life when a dream came true. Are you frightened of me, Colin? No. Good, because I like you. Colin, is everything okay? Miss Monroe had some large packages she needed handled. <laughs> <laughs> what is Marilyn doing with my third assistant? Surprise! Get working! Colin! I have something in my eye. I can't see anything. Be careful not to get in too deep, son. Monroe fancying you. Come on. She breaks hearts. She will break yours. Why wouldn't I, the little girl lost act if I were you? I think Balan knows exactly what she's doing. All people ever see is Marilyn Monroe. What must it be like to be the most famous woman on earth? You could quit this. Forget Marilyn Monroe. Forget Hollywood. But let it all go. 
first love is such sweet despair, Colin. Shall I be her? Who? Natalie. All right, guys. What the fuck are we talking about today? We are talking about Colin Clark's memoir, My Week with Marilyn. Yeah, guys, this just kind of seems to me the source material here today. It's called The Prince, The Showgirl, and Me. And My Week with Marilyn, which is just an awkward fucking title. It is. (laughs) Oh, boy. Colin Clark was this, you know, British peer boy, you know? He Mm -hmm. was the son of Sir Edward Clark, I think? Mm. Or John Clark? I'm not sure. One of those generic white male names. He was a notable art historian, and he wasn't feeling like he was living up to, you know, his family's destiny. He wanted to be a filmmaker. Oh, brother. He didn't want to live in this, you know huge castle and receive boring people at parties all the time, you know? His heroes were Sir Laurence Olivier and big filmmakers of the day, and he wanted to be in that atmosphere. So this story is about the four-month or week period, I don't know, that he worked on Sir Laurence Olivier's uh, film production of The Prince and the Showgirl. I love that he literally describes it as the, quote, modern equivalent, because this is like 1957 or 6, mm-hmm. right? Yes. He describes it as the modern modern equivalent of running away to join the circus. Yes, absolutely. Because nobody did that anymore. Everybody ran off to Hollywood with big stars in their eyes. And I guess uh, th- this film starring Sir Laurence Olivier, one of the most notable British actors of the time, and in general. Mm -hmm. Like, there's whole awards named after Olivier and Marilyn Monroe, the quintessential 20th century American sex symbol. Oh, my God. Yes. And the difficulties uh, between Olivier and Monroe making the picture, as well as, I guess, this week when Colin Clark just got a little too close to Marilyn Monroe in the absence of husband and famed playwright Arthur Miller. (laughs) We'll get back to that. Absolutely. So it's a Simon Curtis film, guys. <laughs> I love me some Simon Curtis because you know I love me some Downton Abbey. Yeah. Oh! I was like, why is this film so satisfying to me? <laughs> I was like, because it's got that Simon, Simon Curtis touch. You know who he's married to? Who? Elizabeth McGovern. Okay. Cora, Cora Crawley, the Countess of Grantham. Oh, my God. No, my name is Cora and my head looks like a blackberry. <laughs> And guys, he did uh, David Copperfield from 1999, which is Daniel Radcliffe's first on-screen role. Oh, it's a good one. He's so cute in his little in his little 19th century outfit. Yeah, absolutely. He also did Downton Abbey: New Era <laughs> last year, oh, which boy. I'm sorry was better than the first one. You know that explains so much the way these movies peter out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get back to it. Absolutely. You know, it made $25 million. I mean, hey, I remember being jazzed for it. This came out in 2011, right? Yes. That's the year I graduated high school. And I I had loved Marilyn Monroe my whole life because, yeah, she was what we would consider to be plus size today. Mm-hmm. And even though that's ludicrous, I still identified with it. The idea that this bombshell starlet from the 50s and 60s could possibly be in the same, quote, weight class as me. Absolutely. And I just, uh, I was so excited for this movie. And upon seeing it again, I'm like, you know, 
I don't know whose side I'm on. Yeah, exactly. And no. that's troubling to me. Like, this is described as a biographical film. I'm sorry. No. I feel like this is Colin Clark fetishizing a week in his youth. Uh, yeah, no, it's a manic pixie dream girl movie if I've ever seen <laughs> like, one. Like, I just don't think that this is particularly biographical to any one famous subject in this movie. Absolutely not. I mean, it's more like Harry Potter makes Marilyn Monroe biopic, I, you know? Yeah! Even though it's not a biopic. But to make matters worse, it's a Weinstein film. <laughs> 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 Gavin Sorry. laughed at me when I was watching the opening credits and I went, boo, Harvey Weinstein, boo. Literally boo, literally. <laughs> oh my God. I do love that this movie was filmed in the same place that The Prince and the Showgirl was filmed. Oh, that production value. Pinewood Studios, baby. <laughs> same place as Harry Potter. Oh, brother. It's same place as a lot of big British films. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't be too surprised. Guys, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. Immediately returning. <laughs> Immediately returning, which again, once I realized this, I was like, holy shit, we both did our two picks and, and they- somehow managed to feature Kenneth Branagh in both of them. Guys, welcome him back. I know we haven't seen him for a while, but we've got Sir <laughs> Kenneth Branagh here with us this week playing... One of his ultimate heroes, and I'm so glad he got to do this, even though this guy, as talented as he may have been, was a fuckwad. Hey, y'all know who Gene Kelly was, right? Yeah, yeah. He is comparable to Gene Kelly in some ways. Mm, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Oh, God. And listen, go look up a picture of Sir Lawrence Olivier, 1957. Yeah, Branna gets it. Yeah. yeah no, not only does he look very similar to him, but he gets the accent so well. His, Olivier's breathy, <laughs> down English. I hate it. Ah. Oh, my God. Sir Lawrence Olivier was a very famous actor and filmmaker in Great Britain. You know he is the blueprint for 20th century Shakespeare acting. Absolutely. <laughs> Husband at the time to Vivian Lee of Gone with the Wind stardom. Which, that's wild to me. I forget that Vivian Lee was English. I know, yeah. She's in one of the most quintessentially American she pl- films. She plays the most iconic Southern belle of all time. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. But she was British. Well, you know, a southern accent's just a British accent slowed down phonetically anyway. (laughs) Just saying. Anyway, Kenneth Branagh, of course, you know, is Professor Gilderoy Lockhart from the Harry Potter saga. He is also a world-renowned Shakespearean actor and filmmaker. When we found out he directed Thor, our jaws were on the ground. Yeah. He did Dunkirk. He did all of the 90s Shakespeare adaptations, Much Ado About Nothing, Othello, Hamlet, which we must do. Oh, God. That's like a, that's a whole month of content. You understand that, I do. I do. Oh, my God. I, I absolutely do. And he was also with us when we did The Road to El Dorado. Yep, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Literally last week. <laughs> Please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming, folks, as the lovely, the scintillating Marilyn Monroe. We have the very talented, the white Michelle Williams. Oh my god! She was with us when we covered But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember she was Kimberly in But oh, I'm a Cheerleader. Oh my god! Guys, she was, she was in Brokeback Mountain. She was in Oz the Great and Powerful, Manchester by the sea. Oh, she was just in the Fablemans, mm-hmm. the Steven Spielberg bi- biopic thing. She's also in The Greatest Showman. Yeah, she is in The Greatest Showman. And something from 2001 called Prozac Nation. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth looking into. Ooh, she was in the 94 version of Lassie and Halloween H20 from 1998. <laughs> yes! 20 years later. Yeah. Ah! 
Oh my God, a guys. cult scream queen. I love it. Michelle Williams was the only actress they approached for the role of Marilyn Monroe. The only one? Literally the only one they asked. Oh, and wow. she was signed on to do this movie two years before it actually began production. Yikes. And during that time, she spent immersing herself in Monroe. The actual method acting that drives Olivier crazy. All of the diaries, all of the movies, all, all the everything. She had to gain weight for the role. Mm. Because I don't know how, but Marilyn Monroe was considered plus size back then. She was like a size 14 to 16, Which depending on the time. Men liked. I know. When did the impossible body standards kick in? Yeah. Was you, that in like the 60s or the 70s? I don't know. It, it was after the 60s, yeah. Playing our protagonist today, please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. As Colin Clark, we have Eddie Redmayne. He was just with us at the end of last season when we covered Les Miserables. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Monsieur Marius. Oh, I literally hate it. <laughs> I know him first from Elizabeth the Golden Age. He's Anthony Babington. Yeah. He's th the one that gets to try and shoot Kate Blanchett on screen. That's the one where he told your boyfriend, Tom Hooper, that he knew how to ride a horse and he definitely did. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> I love that Absol story. Because oh, it is a Tom Hooper film. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was in Elizabeth the Golden Age. He was in The Danish Girl. Mm. He's fucking Newt Scamander. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> Fuck her. And he also is, of course, he won the uh, Best Actor Oscar for his portrayal of Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, you shouldn't have been in The Danish Girl. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. I'm sure. Which he regrets, and I'm rightfully so. Yeah, no. Is he hot or not? Stop. I'm sorry. You know, he was a Burberry <laughs> model for like 15 years. So I think that answers your question. I think he still is. Like, I, <laughs> but like we asked this in Les Mis. Like, I can't tell if he's just so endearingly cute. Right. Or if he's actually hot. Well, you can't tell if you want to fuck him or cuddle him. This is like the Hillary Swank office debate. It is. You know, I. <laughs> Poor Eddie Redmayne. I'm so sorry. Anyway. Guys, portraying Lucy Armstrong. <laughs> Here we fucking go. Colin's other love interest in the film. She's a dresser on set. Uh, we have Emma Watson. Please welcome her back. She was with us when we covered Perks of Being a Wallflower. She's, That's right. She's Sam, yeah. And of course, she is, of course, most well known as Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter saga. <laughs> My Patronus. <laughs> My Patronus is Hermione Granger, okay? That's, that's three so far that are Harry Potter recruits. <laughs> Some repeating themes from last week. I love Lucy's character, though. Mm -hmm. I know she's a. I know she's on screen for like a grand total of like five minutes. She's but... she's window dressing for this for this narrative, and I hate that. Well, that's but it, the thing is, it's like it's like we're Lucy. Yeah, you know, like the feelings <laughs> that the feelings that Lucy is feeling throughout this are what we're feeling. You're right. You're absolutely right. Oh my god. And guys, this is like her like first post Potter role. Yeah, it was. And this is like right in between Deathly Hallows and Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, exciting. And then she was on screen for five minutes. <laughs> Playing famous British actress Dame Sybil Thorndike, we have Dame Judy Dench. For some reason. Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> she does look like Dame Sybil, to be fair. I thought she would have been with us already. 
I mean, not technically. We did talk about cats. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. We did talk about your boyfriend, Tom Hooper's cat. Stop. There's no way she's not been with us elsewhere. I don't think she has. I think this might be her first time. I thought she would have been with us already because I thought we would have talked about Home on the Range by now. I know a place pretty as pie. Anyway. Oh, that river bend hits up with the end of the sky. Focus. Katie Lang is my favorite country western lesbian. No, 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 no. Back to... I'm sorry. Back to Judy Dench. <laughs> I'm sorry. Back to Judy Dench. I don't have time to talk about Judy Dench's creds. There's literally so much. Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, no. Judy Dench is someone who actually worked with Olivier. Yeah! So to Isn't ha- that wild? To have, her, to have her perspective on set must have been wild. Playing Marilyn Monroe's agent, Milton Green, we have Dominic Cooper. Sexy Dominic Cooper. Oh, brother. You love him for Mamma Mia. That's right! He's the groom in Mamma Mia. He is! Oh, boy. He's also uh, Jesse Custer from The Preacher, Howard Stark from the MCU, playing uh, Sir Owen Morshead, the curator at uh, Windsor Castle. We have Derek Jacobi because Kenneth Branagh is in this. (laughs) And he's going to fit Derek Jacobi in somehow. Uh, Same thing with Judi Dench. I don't have time to talk about Derek Jacobi right now. He's been in through he's been through so much shit. Royal Shakespeare Company. He and Ian McKellen are butt buddies. Oh, like, don't say it like that. They were in love with each other at one point. Butt buddies. Stop! Okay, sorry, anyway. <laughs> and I will mention that he was King Claudius in Branna's adaptation of Hamlet, but can't wait. Playing Marilyn Monroe's publicist, Arthur P. Jacobs, is Toby Jones. And the most important thing to me about Toby Jones (laughs) is that he's the voice of Dobby. Yeah, I know. What number is that? (laughs) That's number four. (laughs) He's the fourth Harry Potter person we have in here. I'm telling you guys, the Harry Potter mafia, they all know each other. He was in Frost Nixon. You know he's done Truman Capote. Yeah. Absolutely. You know he's done Truman Capote. He looks like him. I mean, uh look at him. He's also in Ever After. Yeah. I love that. He's also Claudius Temple Smith in the Hunger Games franchise. He's also in the MCU. I literally... uh, (laughs) Playing Vivian Lee, Sir Lawrence Olivier's wife, is Julia Ormond. And I love me some Julia Ormond, guys. Mm -hmm. She's actually been with us before. She was with us when we covered Iron Jawed Angels. Yeah. Which is one of our favorite episodes, guys. It's a great episode. Go dig on Podbean and find it. It's great. She was a Nesmo Holland. You know she's done Jackie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at her. But I also love her. She's Marie Calvé. Yep, here it comes. In I Mad Men. Like, I, I knew you were going to open your mouth and bring up Mad Men. I'm sorry. I love Mad Men. <laughs> I have an unhealthy relationship with Mad Men. <laughs> It's the thing I rewatch the most, I think. Playing American playwright and Marilyn Monroe's husband, Arthur Miller, we have Dugray Scott. If I said that wrong, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. That is a familiar name to me. Oh, he's so hot in Scottish. Ooh! He's from Ever After. Yes! (gasps) That's right, he's the prince! Is he the prince? He's the prince! You are the crown prince of France! Yes! Anyway, okay. Oh my god, that explains so much right now in this moment. He also was in Enigma, Hitman... Playing Paula's associate and acting coach, Paula Strasbourg. Wait a minute. I just thought of it in this moment. Not Strasbourg, Strasbourg. <laughs> no, listen, Ross, all afternoon I was trying to think, where have I seen that woman from? Without actually looking it up, I'm remembering it in this moment. We have Zoe Wanamaker. She is Madam Hooch. She's Madam Hooch in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh my God, that's number five. Yeah, no, that's number five, Harry Potter. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Paul Strasberg. You've heard of Lee Strasberg. Yeah. He was a famous, you know, <laughs> he was a famous acting educator in New York City. The actor studio yep. is the product of the Strasbergs. Absolutely. And Marilyn Monroe, when she was, you know, thrown into the entertainment industry, she actually went to study method acting at the actor studio with Lee Strasberg. That's so great. And like Uta Hagen and like yeah. it, all of these wonderful people. She was serious. She wanted to she wanted to make a success of it. She's like, okay, I don't know very much about this. I'm relying on looks. Let's learn how to do it correctly. Yeah. It didn't work out very well for her. God. But yeah, let's... Poor we'll Mar- get to it. Poor Marilyn Monroe. Sir so, Olivier always described her as a very divided individual. And throughout the film, we're going to see some examples of that. They're not factual. We can't call them factual. I mean, we all we can do is listen to Olivier or Colin Clark tell us about those times, which are male perspectives. Yep. You know. That's my main criticism about Marilyn discourse is most of what we know about her is told through the male lens. Also, blonde is trash. Oh, no, no. We do not have time. And we time. don't have time. We, so that's all we need to say. Uh, all right, Carrie. We got to get into it. So we open with some opening text, correct? After we get all the fucking production logos out of the way. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> and Weinstein. <laughs> yup. May I read? Mm-hmm. Okay. So our first title card says, in 1956, at the height of her career, Marilyn Monroe went to England to make a film with Sir Lawrence Olivier. Fade out, fade in. <laughs> While there, she met a young man named Colin Clark, who wrote a diary about the making of the film. Fade out, fade in. <laughs> this is their true story. All right. I know. Okay. It's it's his version of the truth, okay? We then fade into a Marilyn Monroe rendition of Irving Berlin's Heat Wave. Oh my God, Norma Jean Mortensen is here. Oh, you used her legal name. But you know her better as Marilyn Monroe. (sighs) She is so sexy. Michelle Williams does such a good job. We're having a heat wave. A tropical heat wave. The temperature's rising. It isn't surprising. You certainly about her when we did top 10 female performances yeah we did she was one of mine yes for this movie for this movie you know she you know she was nominated for an oscar for this yeah the same the same energy she brought to this is what renee brought to judy right yeah oh my god and like like we said we're having a heat wave and we find out that we are actually in a cinema yeah we're not the only ones having a heat wave no yeah in the front row is eddie redmayne as colin clark having an orgasm silently Stop. sorry no, that is he's so enthralled with her as you sh- as he should be you yeah. know colin is getting ready for a job interview in the movies because he's a huge film fan goes to the cinema all the time. To the cinema. The cinema with an R. Everyone remembers their first job, Colin tells us. <laughs> I was the youngest in a family of overachievers. My father was a world famous art historian, and my brother was ahead of me in everything. I was always the disappointment. I found my solace in the small cinema I went to every Thursday night. Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, Laurence Olivier, these were my heroes. I wanted to be a part of their world. 
And you know what? Colin, like I said, his father's a life peer in the British peerage. He lives in that that fucking castle. Yeah. Oh my god. Also, the guy that plays his dad is definitely uh, Tommy Lassell's from The Crown. Yes. And his mother is Geraldine Somerville. Oh my Lily god. Lily Potter. Number six. I can't believe that. Yeah, That's I know. That's so great. And his parents don't really think much about his desire to be a filmmaker. Of course not. They're like, all right, as soon as this business is done, come back and have tea with us. Like, Yeah, seriously. The way he ends up getting this job with this British movie studio. Sir Lawrence Olivier Productions. Sir Lawrence Olivier Productions. This is just something that is completely unheard of in this day and age. Oh, of course. The way he goes to Olivier Productions and just stalks the lobby. Oh, no, yeah. He goes and meets with Hugh Percival, the head of the company, and is like, I want a job on the next film. And he's like, listen, there are no jobs right now. Come back near the time. He's just waiting in this producer's <laughs> lobby, waiting for a production assistant to get hit by a bus so he can jump in. The secretary's like, you're very determined. And he's like, well, I'd do anything to be in the film business. And she's like, hmm, anything? Yeah. And so now he's doing office grunt work off the clock. Yeah. He's not even getting paid for it. He's making tea. He's folding papers, like <laughs> doing anything. And then one day he's in there waiting and Sir Lawrence Olivier himself walks in with wife Vivian Lee. And Vivian knows who Colin is. Yeah, because their families are tight. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> a Nepo baby. Yeah, a Nepo baby. Darling, you remember Colin. You met him at the Clark's party. Of course. Uh, what are you doing here? You said there might be a job on your film. <sighs> Have a cigarette. Won't uh, keep it back. Oh, thank you, sir. There won't be a film unless Miss Monroe gets her splendid posterior out of bed. The House Committee are threatening to withhold Miller's passport. They say he's a communist. No Arthur, no Marilyn. I'll have a word with the American ambassador. I'm taking him to see Vivian's play on Thursday. Percival is talking to Olivier, and he's like, listen, I don't know if this Marilyn Monroe thing is going to happen. Her husband is being accused of being a communist in the States right now. Oh. And guys, McCarthyism, we don't have time. Not the HUAC trial. Yeah, the House of... The House, uh, the House of Un-American... Um, the House Un-American Activities Committee, yeah, which I cannot believe used to exist. <laughs> oh, gross. All because somebody has a leftist affiliation. They were getting demonized left and right. I well, mean, mostly right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're fired. That was good. And oh. like Olivier's like, you know what, Colin? We'll try and find you something. Yeah, Colin basically becomes a gopher for Olivier Productions. And, like, the thing I can't stand, Olivier calls him boy. Oh, yeah, all the time. Like, and I just, I I can't stand that. Well, here's the thing. Eddie Redmayne is perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. Because this is literally his background. Yeah. I, I'm not saying his father's a life peer or anything, but... Eddie Redmayne came from money. Yeah. You know, in the British high society, there's literally pictures of him and Prince William at Oxford together. Ew. Or he went to fucking Eton, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no, he's a, he's the perfect example of a little rich boy type casting. Yeah. And one of Colin's first tasks is to find a house for Marilyn to live in while she's here. Yeah, because she's going to be coming to England to film a movie that is now being titled, this is the working title, The Sleeping Prince, mm -hmm. because it's based off a play that Vivian Leigh had actually been in. And the fact that Sir Lawrence Olivier is not just recasting his wife in a role she originated on stage. She will be the first to tell you that she's too old to play the role. I know. I know, I know. This movie would eventually be called The Prince and the Showgirl. Indeed. 
And when he when he's going to find a house for Marilyn, there's this guy named Coates Preeti who they're interviewing to rent out the space. And <laughs> he's like, listen, I don't know if I can accommodate what you're asking for. And he's like, I guess I'll just have to find somewhere else for Marilyn Monroe to stay. And Coates Preeti's like, Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> My wife would never agree. That's a pity, Mr. Coates Preeti. I'll have to tell Miss Monroe to look elsewhere then. Marilyn Monroe? Yes. I suppose I'd have to be introduced. I could reconsider if I was introduced, maybe. Oh my god! Colin knows how to work it. And what Colin ends up doing is he's not giving the lease to Coates Prady. He ends up finding another house to distract the publicity towards Coates Prady. Which is just genius because he has simultaneously generated publicity and also protected the talent. Yeah, no, that that's what he, that's what they're What in the name of the Lord? He's ended up making things a hell of a lot easier for Arthur Miller and Marilyn Monroe while they're visiting. And that really impresses Olivier. Yeah. And he's like, what are we paying you? Because we should probably be paying you more. And that's when Olivier refers him to go to the studio mm-hmm. to represent Olivier Productions. And he's meeting with the first assistant director. I don't know the character's name, but I've seen this actor in The Crown, yep. Downton Abbey. <laughs> he this... was in The King's Speech, so he's been with us before. Is this the guy that's telling him not to shit on his own doorstep? Do you know what a third does? And he's like, assists the director. And he's like, that's the last thing you fucking do. <laughs> the first thing you do is anything I fucking tell you. Oh! Lesson two, don't shit on your own doorstep. Got it? Got it. Lesson three. The third always stays nearby, not in some bloody palace in London. Put a room at the dog and duck down the road. It's a bit rough, you'll get used to it. And he ends up being a gopher, which is what a third AD is, you know, on a film (laughs) set. The way he's like, don't shit on your doorstep. And I'm like, he is literally about to spend this whole movie shitting on his own doorstep. Mm -hmm. I have LMAO, Mr. Carson is here. Oh my gods, yeah, no. What this guy tells him to do is... A good third DA always stays close, so you go rent yourself a room down at the Duck and Dog. Which is the most British-sounding name for a pub and inn I've ever heard. Yeah, and the barkeep is Carson from Downton Abbey. He's the butler from Downton Abbey. <laughs> Love it! Imelda Staunton's husband? Yes! He's been with us before. Yes, he has. He's the head chef in The Witches. <laughs> the one that where the mouse runs up his pants. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When he's checking in with Carson. Oh, no, not Carson! <laughs> when he's checking in with the barkeep... He's like, I'm here making a film with Sir Lawrence Olivier and Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) He's name dropping. Room's three quid a week, first week in advance, number two. And uh, hope you don't mind, you'll be sharing with Grace Kelly. And the room that he goes into, it's smaller than the area we're in right now. Oh, no. This room is a tip. Like, he's like, is this Lee Miz? Right? Like, but, and he flops down on that tiny bed, but he's so elated. He's happier than a pig and shit. Absolutely. I'm telling you. And we also are introduced to Roger because we need security for Marilyn while she's here. Yeah. And Hugh Percival is talking to Roger about how he would like... Uh, Roger to keep them abreast of her domestic situation. Meaning her relationship with Arthur Miller. And Roger's like, you want me to spy on her? Yeah. And she's like, well, she drinks, she uses pills, you know, like, things could get turbulent, so we just want to be kept in the loop. Oh, brother. Because Marilyn Monroe, in 1956, must have been a huge investment. Oh, my God. Why do you, I mean, I'm so sorry. 
Why do you think Olivier wanted her for this? I mean, I think it was to get his on-screen rocks off, but like... Okay, fair, fair. We can talk about that later. (laughs) But yeah, Marilyn Monroe was a huge friggin' deal. That scene where she is getting off the plane with Arthur Miller and the entire London press corps is on that runway. Indeed. Oh, when she's coming down the stairs and the music and everybody's losing their goddamn mind. And here to greet them is Sir Lawrence Olivier and Vivian Lee. They describe it as American acting royalty meeting British acting royalty. Which I just, uh, I hate that it's correct, but it's correct. And then we're sitting down for this first press conference with all four of them. (gasps) I love this scene. Arthur Miller, Marilyn Monroe, Lawrence Olivier, and Vivian Lee. Some of the biggest names of the day. Because if, if the only experience you have of Marilyn Monroe is her movies... You know, then it might be easy to think of her as a whole person, as a dumb, airheaded blonde, you know, Mm -hmm. who didn't know her way around things, because that's how she was typecast a lot of the time. She's a lot more clever than people gave her credit for. Oh, Marilyn knew how to work a crowd. And so does Olivier, because, oh, he's just selling it. Uh. Gentlemen, it is my special pleasure to introduce someone who clearly needs no introduction. And the press interrupt him and just immediately start firing questions. (laughs) This is the beginning of Olivier's mass ego death. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. And the (laughs) thing I love about Marilyn is there's all these questions about... How do you like being married? Yeah, what's what's the next step in your career looking like? All of this stuff. And then this one guy, this one reporter is... Well, it's Arthur. It is. It's it's her publicist. He's trying to get the money shot out there, right? Mm -hmm. And he yells, Marilyn... Is it true you wear nothing in bed except perfume? (laughs) Darling, as I'm in England, let's say I sleep in nothing but Yardley's lavender. (laughs) And they all have a chuckle! She's so funny. Oh, when she winks into the flash bulbs uh, and they're taking all those pictures outside the house she's staying at. Good, like, so much for keeping it away from the press. Yeah, like, I know, I know. And the way Olivier is visibly jealous mm-hmm. of the attention she's getting from the press is just, ugh, I is, hate it. This is also when Colin gets acquainted with Milton Green. Yeah. And he's just kind of this sly character who is, air quote, in charge of Marilyn Monroe's affairs. In reality, Milton Green was a photographer. Oh. Yeah, and had been making money off of Marilyn Monroe's image for the better part of a decade. Oh, gross. Yeah, and then just decided that he would form Marilyn Monroe Productions. And Olivier's introducing Colin and Milton, and Milton kind of doesn't like Colin from the get-go. It's like, hmm, there's a lot of pretty men around here. That makes me insecure about my relationship with Marilyn. (laughs) He doesn't say any of that, but that is the vibe I'm getting. Dominic Cooper, you're so hot to be such a problem. Like... And when Vivian goes over to Colin and is like, she's the most splendid thing, isn't she? And Colin's like, you're, 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 you're 10 times better, you know, trying to talk her up. The way she turns to Colin is like, of course, Larry would never leave me. But if anything were to happen, you would tell me, wouldn't you? I'm sure he loves you very much. Oh, don't be such a boy. I'm 43, darling. No one will love me for very much longer. Not even you. 
Sure, Vivian Lee, I'll tell you if your husband, Sir Lawrence Livier, is making eyes at Marilyn Monroe. Like, it's just so poignant because Kenneth Branagh <clears throat> is also guilty of pawing after other people's wives and girlfriends. You know it's true. You know while it's being true. married. You know it's true. Uh, Emma Thompson and Helena Bonham Carter. So you guessed it. Everyone's ready for the table read for the prince and the showgirl, except for Marilyn. Indeed. No, she's uh, she's late. Yeah. And this will be a common occurrence. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this when we talked about Judy, right? Mm-hmm. She was habitually late and it made her very hard to work with. But guys, when you're addicted to drugs and alcohol and you're mentally a child... Yeah. Come on. And Dame Judy Dench is here because she's also in the movie. She's Dame Sybil, right? Mm-hmm. And like Marilyn finally arrives and Olivier gets up there in front of the whole cast and crew and starts pontificating for the production team. And you can tell he's wanting to be the star, mm-hmm. but he's definitely being upstaged. And this is also where we meet Paula. Oh, brother. Paula Strasberg. I got a real problem with Paula. Paula is an acting coach who is here to assist Marilyn, someone that Olivier did not want around. I can understand why, to be honest. Because Paula was less of an acting coach and more just like... The hype man. She was an attendant for Marilyn. Yeah, she was like a lady-in-waiting, practically. She was there to soothe all of Marilyn's insecurities all the time. Yeah, the hype man. (laughs) And she was also super into the method Mm -hmm. and really tried to push Marilyn to use the method, even though Marilyn didn't really understand, Mm -hmm. you know? And this is where we start to see the first conflicts between Olivier and Paula specifically, because Olivier's not really into the method, right? He's he's a method unto himself, right? That's the thing. He's into the method. He doesn't have a lot of patience for other people who want to use it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's very hypocritical. So we get through the read-through, and afterwards, Olivier is piping mad, and he's like, Listen, we can't have two fucking directors talking about Paula, (laughs) obviously. We can't have two fucking directors. Marilyn wants Paula. Why? She's got me. Paula's costing us two and a half thousand bucks a week. We might as well use her. Listen, Larry, accept Marilyn on her own terms and you'll be okay. Try to change her and she will drive you crazy. Trust me. Christ, what have I got myself into? And Olivier is just like, God, what have I gotten myself into? I mean, it's a mess, Olivier. Sorry, Larry. (laughs) As Milton calls him Larry. Can we please call him Larry the whole time? Because I know people called him Larry in real life, but I just love to think of him cringing. Anyone calls him Larry instead of Lord Olivier or whatever. Enter Emma Watson. Yeah. Meanwhile, Colin is hitting on the costumer, Emma Watson, also known as Lucy. Lucy, yes. Yeah, no. Poor Emma Watson. This is what I'm saying. Poor Emma Watson's character is just here to be window dressing for this narrative. Yeah, well, I know, but like... And I know, she's I know. In, she's still important, Yeah, though. her perspective is important because, like you said, her perspective is our perspective. <laughs> and like, he's trying to get a date with her. Look, I've got two rules. Everyone has a lot of rules around here. One... Never touch the talent. And two, never go out with thirds. Why not? Because they're all randy little buggers who just want some fun during shooting. I'm not like that. Really? I'm free on Saturday. And I'm like, okay, Colin's got a date. He's working his dream job. Like, well, I don't know about dream job, but... (laughs) So the first day of shooting is here, and Marilyn is two hours 
late. Yeah, no, it's really bad. She's trying to psych herself up in her dressing room, and Paula's keeping everyone at arm's length, like, no, 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 she has to prepare to get into character. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, two hours. Yeah, come on. Yeah, but when she shows up. She looks amazing. That white gown, va 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 boom. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and the thing is, is that they finally get the camera rolling, everyone hits their marks, and they're filming a scene, and Marilyn is having trouble remembering her lines and following the script. The recreation of this scene is honestly scary. It is, actually, because you showed me the scene. Yeah, from The Prince and the Showgirl. Before we came down here, and I was like, oh. And they imitate it very, very well. Oh, my God. Even even him done up as the prince, Laurence Olivier, Looks exactly like Olivier done up as the prince. With the monocle, my God. You know, I love the way Sybil is just trying to make Marilyn feel comfortable at every turn. It's actually darling, because Sybil can tell she's struggling. Mm -hmm. And the way Sybil is asking Marilyn to run lines with her. Yeah. As if Sybil is the one who needs the help when she knows full well it's Marilyn who needs the practice, right? But she's not putting that on her. That was perfect, Marilyn. You are Elsie to the life. I wonder, could we practice our lines together later? You'd be doing me such a kindness. At my great age, it's just so hard to make them stick. Why don't you come for tea tomorrow? Can I? Sure. In that moment in the film where she looks at Olivia and goes, this woman hasn't had your years of experience. She's in a strange country acting a strange part. Now, are you helping or bullying? Yeah. And I'm like, Dame Sybil, Dame Sybil, Dame Sybil. Olivier is getting stressed because she's disturbing his shit. Absolutely. That's annoying. She's a constipator. And he tells Colin to keep an eye on her, as if having the bodyguard spy on her wasn't enough. (laughs) But here's the other thing. Can we also talk about Paula for a second? Paula, the acting coach. And how, in my humble opinion, she is not doing Marilyn any favors. Because, yes... Marilyn is struggling with this material. She's in a completely different acting environment than the one she's used to. With with, with people who are more trained than her. And on the one hand, I think she's doing fine. I think Olivier is being too tough on her. But all Paula really does is butter her up. Yeah, Paula is literally on her knees singing Marilyn's praises. I pray to God on my knees and he has given me you. You are that great actress, Marilyn. Trust yourself. Trust your talent. Come on, Paula, get up. No, no, not until you admit that you are great. (laughs) And I'm like, if all you do is tell her that she's perfect... She's never going to get better. Exactly. And I just, I can't stand it. The screen tests of the unedited footage for The Prince and the Showgirl are not going well. Like, we've got a couple of production people in here, a couple of heads, but we've also got Arthur Miller and Marilyn looking at this unedited footage. And it's not that great. She seems as awkward as she feels, right? Indeed. She's got one good take for every ten, and it's time-consuming. The production is two weeks behind, and I know you love this part. When they come out after looking at the takes... (laughs) We've only been shooting for four days already. We're two weeks behind. So why not only show her the good takes? Then she might feel better about herself. Well, the kid's right. She could use the confidence. No one's forcing her to watch. Besides, she's an experienced actress. She should learn from her mistakes. But they only upset her. Not half so much as they upset me! <laughs> <laughs> He's such a queen! Oh, my God. Like, I get it. 
I get where he's coming from, but like I said, I vacillate between whose side I'm on when it comes to Olivier versus Marilyn Monroe, right? Yeah. Because he should have been easier on her, but I can think of men who have behaved themselves worse when it came to under-experienced actresses. There's this scene where the first DA comes up to Colin and goes, listen, Marilyn can't find her script. It might be in her dressing room. Go (gasps) look for it. This is so much. Colin goes into her dressing room, doesn't knock. Uh, because she's not supposed to be there. She's not supposed to be there. She's supposed to be working. Oh, no. She's not. He's looking for her script, going through all her shit, and there she is. In nothing. Stark naked. Stark fucking naked. In not but Yardley's lavender. Only a towel on her head. Ooh. Oh, hi, Colin. Your script. Oh, I found it. You can go now, Colin. Stands and stares. <laughs> You can go now, Colin. Wrapping herself up in a towel. And after he slams the door, the way she giggles, I'm like, oh, this is the start of something big. Cut immediately to him feeling Lucy up in the wardrobe. Uh Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, I'm really, she's like, I'm really looking forward to our date. And he's like, oh, I completely forgot. I I can't do that. Marilyn wants to go shopping. Yeah, he starts breaking dates with Lucy to serve Marilyn, really. And there is that sequence where they're in the street, they're out shopping and then everyone begins to recognize her slowly and they get swarmed. They get fucking swarmed. Oh, you're awfully excited. Okay, guys, let's keep going. kind of crazy in you know in the 1950s to see this much international love for a movie star in an age before the internet right mm-hmm. and like they have to put her in a, in a car for her own safety that's how crazy the mob is getting and he can and Colin can see that it, it gets to Marilyn obviously yeah we go into this sequence where they're trying to film this scene Oh, brother. And Marilyn is having trouble with one of the lines. She comes in and goes, oh, we're the first ones. Gee, this is all right, too, isn't it? And, like, she can't believe the line. Like, something about the line, she can't say it right. She keeps saying, well, this is all right, isn't it? And Olivia is like, you have to say, too. This is all right, too. He's splitting hairs. It's annoying. And, like, she's like, I don't get it. She calls Paula over, and that stresses Olivia out. She's like, I don't get it. This just doesn't seem realistic. I feel like Elsie is smart enough to realize the prince only invited her here to sleep with him. Yeah, Marilyn doesn't really understand this character because Elsie is very one-dimensional and she wants to play the character with nuance but Olivier is That's why he cast her. But Olivier is begging her to just stop with the method acting and be the hot pair of tits the world sees her as. Marilyn, please, please, please tell me how I can help you. I, I don't know who Elsie is. I have not can act her if I don't know who she is. You have her precisely. You understand her inside out. I'm in awe of your gift. We all are. She's not real. Then why not simply rely on your natural talents? Are you saying you don't want me to act? Marilyn, will you just try to be sexy? Isn't that what you do? 
that was the wrong thing to say. Oh my god. Marilyn devolves and starts demanding the presence of Lee Strasberg. Because this is the moment in her life where she's trying to make a transition in her acting career. Yeah. She wants to be taken seriously, and here is another male director just begging her to be hot and not having any regard for what she wants to put into this. When we cut into the... Olivier is right up to camera, and Bran is doing his Bran of thing as Olivier. No, Olivier is reciting lines from Othello to himself in the mirror. Oh, now forever farewell, the tranquil mind. Farewell, content. Farewell, the plumed troops and the big wars that make ambition virtue. Oh... Farewell. Paula's not an actress. She's not a director. She's not a teacher. Her only talent is buttering up Marilyn. This is so (laughs) fucking funny to me because this whole speech in Othello is about losing your identity and giving yourself over to madness. And I can't stand it, especially because gross Othello in that scene is deciding to accept the fact that he's a jealous piece of shit, exactly the way Olivier is jealous of Marilyn's star power. Milton is standing in the room, too, and he's like, listen, I should get back to Marilyn. I gotta I gotta give her something to calm her down. And he walks out, and even Olivier goes... My God, pills to wake her up, pills to make her sleep. This is where you got that line to describe Judy Garland. You've said, like, verbatim the same line when we talk about Judy. Like, just that whole Hollywood machine where the actresses were basically cattle. And, you know... Yeah, no. They had to manage them chemically. Christ. Pills to sleep, pills to wake up, pills to calm her down, pills to give her energy. No wonder she's permanently ten feet underwater. Maybe she's scared. We're all scared! I spent half of my professional life in abject bloody terror. It's what actors do. You have the training to deal with it. No, I wouldn't buy the little girl lost act if I were you. Then heaven knows it's tempting. I think Marilyn knows exactly what she's doing. Tell me you're a misogynist without telling me you're a misogynist. (laughs) So Olivier tells him to go over to Parkside, which is where she lives, and make sure she's okay. Oh, this is where I have in all bold capital letters, the note scene. Yeah, I know. Because he starts having drinks with Roger, the bodyguard, and Roger falls asleep. I'm sorry, revoke his pay. (laughs) (laughs) A sleeping bodyguard is of use to no one. He can Colin can hear Marilyn in the depths of the house going, you think I'm crazy? I'm not crazy. And he's like, "Mm, better go take a look at that. And he finds her on the stairs in nothing but a blanket, sobbing. She she looks so hurt. She looks so wounded. She looks terrified. And like, she is clutching to her chest like it's her lifeline. Arthur Miller's Spiral Notebook. Hmm. (laughs) Listen, guys, if you've never dated a writer, I'm sorry. There are parts of you that are fair game. Like, Um, Arthur Miller comes out on the stairs and goes, (laughs) Marilyn. Come back to bed. It's not about you. It's not what you think. It's just a few ideas. Writer stuff. Let's get some sleep and bring back my book, huh? And she just gets up 
And she was making eye contact with Colin. She saw him seeing her. And then she just wanders up the stairs, back past him, tells him not to touch her. So things are not very happy in Harlem. Like No, absolutely not. And again, guys, it was just notes. It's not like he published a play about her personal plight. I'm like, like, it's just notes. You, This is why writers don't want you to look at an unfinished product, okay? Yeah, no. And, like, I really do like Michelle Williams' portrayal of Marilyn, especially in this moment, because she's able to strike that balance of that woman who knew who she wanted to be and that child who was still looking for love and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it breaks my heart. Marilyn's late again on yeah. set. That's what I have. Another day, another late call. <laughs> Larry, completely defeated at this point, is just <laughs> like, will you go see where the fuck she is? Yeah. So Colin goes to her dressing room, and Marilyn is on this day bed in nothing but her white robe. She's not in makeup. She's not in costume. The drama. Basically, Marilyn is talking to Colin, and she's like, listen... Are you spying on me? Uh-oh. What were you doing in my house last night? Did he send you? He was worried about you. Are you spying on me? No, of, of course not. Why would anyone spy on you? Colin. Whose side are you on? Yours, Miss Monroe. He did not think about that for a second. Oh, my God. And that about does it for him, doesn't it? He's in love. He's in love by the end of that scene. Oh, like... my God. Uh... Also, cut to Arthur Miller telling Larry he's going back to the States to get some sanity. No, he's dipping because he can't handle her behavior anymore. He wants to see his kids. And listen, I get it. He cannot be responsible for her entire emotional well-being, but he is her husband. I'm, yeah, I'm sure he really did love her, but it's just he's miles ahead of her development-wise. Yeah. And it can be hard to help someone who's just that far behind you. And listen, writers, we can be a little selfish sometimes when someone is a huge distraction from your, quote, craft, and, like, you don't like that energy... I get wanting to remove yourself from that situation. But then I also have in all capital letters, then why did you get married? Yeah. (laughs) So because Marilyn can't be left alone, lest she be given to despair, one of the ways the production team placates her is allowing Colin to serve as kind of a companion because she asked for him specifically. Yeah, and Arthur left. Yeah, and so... And she's fucked up about it. And, like, she's pleased as pie, to be spending time with him. Like, she, he comes to her, uh, I don't remember if he's in the dressing room or in the house, but... He went to the house. He went to the house, okay. She sits down and makes him a drink, literally asks him to help her understand the situation that she's in. Because, he, because he's the closest thing she has to a friend right now. Why is Sir Olivier so mean? He talks awful to me, like he's slumming. I'll tell you what's wrong. It's agony for him because he is a great actor that wants to be a film star. And it's agony for you because you're a film star who wants to be a a great actress. And this film won't help either of you. It is such a succinct description (laughs) of why they did not see eye to eye. And this film won't help either of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the two of them completely ignore calls from the studio, like, the whole day. They play hooky, have a nice walk together, 
And this, this line, this line takes me out. I didn't know it was so pretty out here. You should get out more. You should see the sights. Well, I am the sights. <laughs> you know, we're just like Elsie and the Young King. I am the sights. Oh, Ross. <laughs> that is the moment. That is my Colin moment for me where I am D-E-D -E -D dead. <laughs> I am the sights. Oh, my good grief. You know, Marilyn's like, the only person I can really trust is Paula. Yeah. Except for you now, maybe. Yeah, she's feeling a lot closer to him. She feels closer to him than she does to her own co-star, who's who, with whom she is supposed to have actual on-screen chemistry. So Arthur Miller calls, and she runs off, but then runs back to give him a kiss on the cheek. Oh, Marilyn. And tells and says, thank you for telling me the truth. Yeah. You know. Oh, my God. Which is something she does not get a lot of. That's true. Because everyone is walking on eggshells around her. And everyone expects things from her. Mm -hmm. And Colin doesn't. Colin is just happy to be here. <laughs> Milton is mad as fuck oh that God. Colin is being asked for a lot by Marilyn. You know who's not mad? Larry. <laughs> I don't care if he fucks her sideways. Perhaps it'll calm her down. Oh, hello, boy. Here you spent last night with Marilyn. I didn't spend the night with her, we just said we had a chat. I heard them chuckling. Oh, well, perhaps if Colin's very diplomatic, Marilyn's more likely to behave herself. She just wants a chum. That's a all. chum? Jesus Christ, what is this? Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Grow up, kid. <laughs> right, right before he came in the room, when he goes, I don't care if he fucks her sideways, perhaps it'll calm her down. And I'm like, oh my God, Larry, you're so gross. Again, with the reduction of her to a pair of tits in a dress. Like, that's what I'm saying. He's suffering such a mass ego death. The way he's like, I thought working with her would make me feel young again. Mm -hmm. I wanted to renew myself through her, but all I see is my inadequacy. And I'm like, oh, does your little wee-wee feel small? Yeah. Come on, Larry. You've been, you've been successful for how many decades now? Oh, my God. Is your ego not stroked enough? Right? You're literally married to Vivian Lee. Like, like, this is the moment where they want me to feel bad for him, and I won't have it. Do you remember earlier when he told Colin not to buy the little girl lost act? Like, she doesn't need to be rescued? Yeah, and that she he thinks that she knows exactly what she's doing. Again, tell me you're a misogynist without telling me you're a misogynist. Literally. Uh, oh, I love this little scene where she's doing the dance and they're filming it. It's one of the few times there's harmony on set. Yeah. Because she's just so wonderful, you know? She is. It's just, she's, have, she's had a good brain day, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, <laughs> she's oh, had a good brain day. God love her. Doing that. That dance. Meanwhile, Arthur Miller is not cool with the fact that Colin has been spending time with his wife. Is he? Or is Milton not okay with it and is using Arthur's name? Listen, I don't give a shit who's mad. The point is, is that Colin is categorically told by Milton, stay away from her. Like, stop making this complicated. And he's not the only one who's pissed. Lucy is also not cool with it because Colin has been ignoring her for large swaths of this movie. <laughs> I waited for you on Friday. Uh, I'm really sorry, Lucy. I really am. And she basically tells him to lose her number, 
right? Yeah. She's like, I'm not, I'm not messing with this anymore. <laughs> How am I supposed to compare to Marilyn G. D. Monroe? And she's like, no one thinks this is legitimate. Yeah. She gets up in his face and goes, I waited for you on Friday. Lucy, I'm so sorry. I completely forgot. I've just, I've been so busy. So I hear. Well, you know how crews gossip. There's nothing in it. Of course there isn't. Marilyn Monroe fancying you. Come on. Ooh. Ooh. Lucy the burn. I thought you were different. Lucy, I like you. I really do. Well, now it's time to set your sights a little higher. <gasps> well, good luck. <laughs> she storms away, and I'm like, oh, Colin, you fucked that one up. At the same time, Marilyn is inventing ways to spend time with Colin. When Roger when Roger helps her steal him from set. Yeah, this whole ruse where the bodyguard comes up in the car, and, like, the PA or whoever is like, um, where are you going, Colin? And the driver's like, oh, that's fine, we're just going to lunch. And then when they pull away from the lot, Marilyn pops up in the back seat like toast. Surprise! Oh, man. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Roger and I decided to take you on an adventure. <laughs> what the hell? Colin! Get back here, you little bastard! Colin! You're fired! You hear me? Milton Dussey. I know. He's so pissed. So they go for a stroll by some river. She just wants to escape the stresses of what she's experiencing. And Colin's got connects. Exactly. His godfather happens to be Sir Owen Morshead, curator of the Queen's Pictures at Windsor Castle. I have Derek Jacobi is here. Indeed he is. We cannot be Shakespeare adjacent without Derek Jacobi. Our beautiful gay grandpa. I so much. And our other beautiful gay grandpa, Ian McKellen. No, but... That show they were on together. I know! <laughs> I can't even remember the title of it, but I digest. Carrie, when they're walking through that hall, uh-huh. rem- recognize the hall? It's the same hallway! It's, it's from the... the favorite, it's from the great, it's from... It's this, Ham- this is Hatfield House. Yes. We've been here several times. Sir Owen is showing her all of these pictures and stuff. Yeah. It's like one of a 400-year-old courtier's daughter. <gasps> oh, gee, I hope I look that good when I'm 400. Oh, I love Marilyn. And I, I love how charmed he is by her and how charmed she is by him. Exactly. And like when he turns to her and he goes... <laughs> the Queen's sorry to have missed you. Really? Oh, yes. What she was only saying to me the other day. What must it be like to be the most famous woman on earth? Okay, arguably, at the time, Queen Elizabeth II was the most famous woman on earth. And that's her saying that about Marilyn Monroe. That is wild to me. I know, I know. And you know, have you ever seen the footage of her actually meeting Marilyn Monroe? No, I haven't. It's so cute because the queen is standing there and she's got this big grin on her face just because of how dolled up Marilyn Monroe is. And Marilyn Monroe curtsies, but she's got a smirk on her face the whole time. She's like side-eyeing the person next to her like, (laughs) oh my God, oh my God, it's the queen. They're both so excited to see each other anyway. I'm going to drop that clip in the related media. And when they, when he takes them in to see the gigantic dollhouse. Oh, Ross. It's so sad when she opens it up. This hits me in a very specific way. And there's like a daddy doll and a mommy doll and kid dolls. And she is like, this is me. That's you. And these are our kids. Oh, our daughter's so pretty. 
All little girls should be told how pretty they are. Should grow up knowing how much their mother loves them. And I'm like, oh, mm -mm, oh there's the trauma. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get emotional. But that is the crux of her biscuit, let me tell you. Like, I... Oh. When he takes her downstairs and all the Windsor Castle employees are waiting there and they're like, oh my God, Marilyn fucking Monroe. <laughs> she does a little shimmy for them. No, that's the thing. Most of this movie is Michelle Williams being Marilyn Monroe and nobody being able to hold it together. No, yeah. And she's like, shall I be her? <laughs> yeah. And then he takes her over the hill to Eaton and oh. all of those schoolboys get Randy because she's there. Speaking of Randy, do we have to talk about this skinny dipping scene? You know what? Let's skim. Okay, let's, Just like they are. Yeah, let's skim the surface of the water here. Yeah, she gets naked and gets in the river and he's like, we're going to get arrested. And she's like, <laughs> it'll be fine. And then he gets naked and gets in there with her too. The part that kills me though about this is when she tells him that this is the first real date she has had since she was 13. And what that tells me is that that is the last time she interacted with a man where it was 100% her choice and on her terms. Which is wild. That is devastating. I mean, it's not wild. It's what happened to women. No, it's devastating to me because I get it. I absolutely understand where she's coming from. <laughs> And, like, Roger comes by after they get out of the river and is like, all right, that's enough fucking nonsense. I'm going to take <laughs> Marilyn home now. Waiting at Marilyn's house is Milton stamping his foot with his arms crossed. Marilyn gets out of the car and goes, hey, Milton, when I get to work tomorrow, Colin better fucking be there. <laughs> And tells Roger to take him back to the dog and duck or whatever. She's like, I see you. Don't misbehave. Colin starts getting teased on set for how close he is to Marilyn. Yeah. It's been a week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been a week. And like in the middle of the night, Roger busts into his room at the dog and duck and is like, you need to come with me. Yeah, you're being summoned. Marilyn is having an episode. She's locked herself in her room and won't let anybody in. Yeah. He, they rush up the stairs and Paula's like, she won't answer me. She won't answer me. Oh my God. And I'm like, she's not your daughter, but like. Yeah, no, I just, I, uh, Paula. And so what, what, I almost said what Eddie. Uh. What Colin does is they find a ladder and he crawls through her window and she She's just asleep yeah. in the bed. And she like kind of wakes up and is like, oh, hi, Colin. She literally invites him to snuggle her. And whatever alarm he was just feeling is completely gone. And he's got that same elated look on his face again. And he's like, uh, I came in through the window. Milton thought that you were sick. Oh. Window. How romantic. <laughs> It's just like Romeo and Juliet. What, why would they say that I'm sick? My heart hurts so much because she literally just wants to be around people who want nothing from her. Yeah. And I, I, if you've never experienced that sort of anxiety and stress in your life before, where everyone you meet is expecting something of you, and if you don't perform, you are less than worthy, that is just so debilitating. And I understand why he's a soft place to fall for her. And this night in particular, she's been in pain all day. 
Yeah. So oh, she's been drinking. Oh, no. and, she's been drinking and taking pills. Oh no, I'm so, remembering. So she's a little out of it, right? Oh my god. They go to sleep, and she wakes up again and is surprised to find him in her bed. Yeah. And he's not like being lecherous or anything. He's just laying there next to her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "What are you doing here? How did you get here?" And he's like, "I came through the window." <laughs> it's a very. It's a Beatles song. She came in through the bathroom window. Milton thought you were sick. You know, the window, that's romantic. And she goes to take more pills. And he's like, please, please fucking don't. This is what, Ross, I'm going to friggin' cry. I know. The the way she looks at him and asks, You have a home calling. A real one. With a mama and a daddy. Yes, I do. Do they love you? I'm sure that they do. Lucky. Yes. I particularly love the moment where he asks her who the lady in the picture on her nightstand is. And she goes, that's my mama. You know, she had me for a while, but then she was taken away to an asylum. And then he's like, okay, why do you have a picture of Abraham Lincoln? And she goes, well, that's my dad. I never knew my real dad, so it might as well be him, right? And I'm like, wow, that's... Yeah. An inner child who is hurting. Yeah, like That hit me like a freight train. And I just, oh, I can't stand it. I can't, uh. And then, like, yeah, she leans into him. I love that shot where she's leaning on his shoulder and he's leaning on hers. Why do the people I love always leave me? I'll never leave you. All people ever see is Marilyn Monroe. As soon as they realize I'm not her, they run. Oh, no. Yikes. Oh, no. And, like, the way she's telling him, like, to not mess with her, like, not in the sense of, I don't want your attention, but in the sense of, you should be giving your attention to other people. (laughs) How about that nice costumer girl, Lucy? Yeah. But the thing is, is that he's not invested in Lucy at this point. Like, ah. But the thing is, is that Marilyn's need for Colin just continues. She asks for him whenever she's struggling. And it's like Colin's like the new Paula, always validating her at every turn. And even Paula recognizes that value because he's not going to abandon her, Mm -hmm. which is something she struggled with her whole life. And we have to have a very troubling conversation at this point. Yeah, no, she's had another day of pain and has consequentially been drinking and popping pills all day. And she wants Colin to stay with her again. And he does. But in the middle of the night, she awakes in excruciating abdominal pain. And guys, trigger warning. This is tough. A doctor is called. Marilyn has a miscarriage. It's awful. It's so awful. A child, I believe, that is Arthur Miller's. I don't think the implication here is that uh, Colin and Marilyn have not engaged in sexual activity. Yeah, so it's definitely not his. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Yeah, it sure would have. That would have been, not that this isn't crazy already. You know, crazy and hurtful. But, like, the way she's just, like, she's trying to self-soothe. She's trying to tell herself that... 
Like, like she feels like this is some kind of failure for her. First of all, the way he thinks he can go to that doctor and ask him if she was really pregnant. Oh, any man could in the 50s. But then the doctor's like, I really, the doctor says the correct thing, which is, I think that's between Miss Monroe and her husband, don't you? Well, that has everything to do with protecting a wealthy client and nothing to do with her own personal agency or privacy. Well, it just demonstrates how close he's gotten to her. Yeah, you're y- right. You know? And, like, he goes to her and she's in bed and she's telling him. Arthur's on his way back. When this movie's over, I'm gonna settle down and be a good wife to him. I'm gonna learn to make matzo ball soup as good as his dad. We have to forget this whole thing ever happened. I don't want to forget. Let me protect you from all this. What are you gonna do? Marry me? Why not? You could quit this. Forget Marilyn Monroe. Forget Hollywood. Let it all go. And Colin just says, no, run away with me. Yeah, he's like, let me protect you from all this. You could forget all of this. Give it all up. Run away. Forget Marilyn Monroe. And, you know, I think that's what she maybe wants but she says she couldn't just give it all up because she's happy. And he's like, I just want, yeah, because, yeah, she's, he goes, I want you to be happy. And she goes, I am happy. And that, I think, ends it. Uh-huh. I think that's what the ends any semblance of, you know. Being able to reach her. Yeah, that he has. This and, is, yeah, you're right. This is where Colin cuts it off. He's like, this is too messed up. I can't be the person she wants, and I'm not going to mess yeah. with this monkey shines no more. He goes to the door, and he's like, so from now on, you're Marilyn Monroe. I'm the third assistant director, and we will have no more contact with each other. So from now on, I'm just the third assistant director, and we will never look at each other again. Maybe just a wink once in a while. Oh, God. God. Like, okay, we've had the mature breakup conversation where we're like, all right, we're just going to be professional, you know. But, like, it's just, can it get more Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Like, uh, I know. I, I can't, uh, it makes me so angry. I don't feel bad for him. I don't either. I, don't, I feel bad for her. Yeah. Like, I, uh, and so this movie is starting to wrap up. Colin, Guys, it's going to peter out. It, like, yeah, like all of the Curtis films, it's going to peter out. Colin finds himself an island, you know, in his experience with this famous starlet. I just don't give a shit about his pain. I'm sorry I don't. And, like, the the dissolution of his relationship with Lucy, I don't care about that either. She's washing her hair? Good. When they're wrapping the production, Marilyn comes to the whole company, like, everyone on set, and she's just like... I hope you will all forgive me. It wasn't altogether my fault. I've been ill. Like you remember, I tried. I was like, it's very earnest. Yeah. And very self-aware. She wanted very badly for this to go very well. And it didn't. For a number of reasons, and not all of them had everything to do with her. 
And once again, Larry Olivier, because he cannot help himself, is up there quoting The Tempest. Oh, yeah, because he's watching the cut of the film, the final cut of the film. Oh, jeez. Our revels now are ended. We are such stuff as dreams are made on. And our little life is rounded with a sleep. He's quoting Prospero. Yes, he is. From The Tempest, which I'm sorry, might be my favorite Shakespeare. Really? Yeah, we. I remember when we did it, when we covered it in Humanities, we did The Tempest. Oh, we're going to have to have a whole conversation about that later. I always loved Prospero. Yeah, I bet you did, because he's like the Shakespearean narrator. Yeah, he's the Shakespearean wizard, too. So like, Yeah, baby. And Caliban, and... Uh, uh, and like, listen, Larry's like, listen, I, I know that I bellyached through a lot of this, but at the end of the day, I don't know what I was supposed to do. She is Marilyn Monroe. I do love Kenneth Branagh saying, I tried my best to change her, but she remains brilliant despite me. Maybe just up to... <laughs> do you know, I think directing a movie has to be just about the best job ever invented. But Marilyn's cured me of ever wanting to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but Olivier has officially decided that he doesn't want to do movies again. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> and then we're right back to Eddie Redmayne having an orgasm in the front row. Yeah, this he's watching he's watching the movie, right? Yeah. And this is where I have Glad You Ran Away to the Circus. <laughs> when Elsie Marina is talking to the, the Prince of Carpathia and she's like, I am going to fall in love with you. I'm going to fall in love with you because I always, always do. Yeah, exactly. And then she looks right at Colin, us. She looks right at us, you know. Yeah, The Prince and the Showgirl was also a Manic Pixie Dream Girl movie. Absolutely. Jeez. (laughs) He's so sad in the end and I'm okay with it. Yeah, this scene where Marilyn says goodbye to him in the pub. Where she comes to the duck and dog to be like, sorry I used you, have a nice life. I wasn't going to leave without saying goodbye. Don't forget me. As if I could. Everybody else on the picture wishes they could. They don't understand you. She's like, I'm moving on to John F. Kennedy. Oh, stop! Uh, and listen, all jokes aside, she was not alive for that much longer. Seven more years. It's Ross. Or that's, five, five more years. Yeah, that's less than a decade. Like, let, let's not take that away from it. But, like, I just... Uh, Here's what Colin says. Here's what I remember most. Her embrace. Her belief in me. And the joy she gave. That was her gift. When I think of her now, I think of that time when a dream came true. And my only talent was not to close my eyes. Okay. All right. (laughs) When we get the theater in use and it lights up. Oh, brother. Oh, and Michelle Williams is doing Marilyn Monroe singing that old black magic. Like, I hope one day we will get the Marilyn Monroe story we deserve as a culture, because all of them are kind of trash in one way or another. 
you know, this is a this is a narrative through the eyes of a man who spent one week close to her. Blonde is a dumpster fire unto itself. Look it up. Don't watch it. Just look it up. It's bad. It's very, very bad, okay? We've got some ending on screen text here for you. Why don't you go ahead and read since I read the first two? After The Prince and the Showgirl, Marilyn Monroe's next film, Some Like It Hot, became one of the most popular comedies of all time. Fade out, fade in. <laughs> Colin Clark became a successful documentary filmmaker and writer. Good for you, Colin. I guess. I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He achieved international recognition in 1995 with the publication of his memoir, The Prince, The Showgirl, and Me. And My Week with Marilyn. That's too long! Yeah. What I, editor was in charge of that? I, I really, I really don't know. <laughs> That's it, guys. That's My Week with Marilyn. Mm. Did you feel romantic? I mean, it was kind of romantic in parts. Uh-huh. You guys gotta watch a movie. Uh-huh. It's not a narrative. It's just a bunch of scenes <laughs> put together, really. Because, like, I feel like there was no conflict. I mean, I mean, like, the conflict, like, for the protagonist, you know, like... No, that's how most manic pixie dream girl narratives go. There is no real conflict. It was just about his longing to be with someone that he couldn't be with, and I guess that's a conflict, but, like... Uh, yeah, it's just, you, you have trouble feeling bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, like, come on, that's... And, I mean, I don't think we're supposed to necessarily feel bad for him. Like, that didn't happen to me. No, it didn't happen you to know, me like... either. But, like, what else am I supposed to feel? Okay, put yourself in Colin Clark's shoes. Okay. What movie are you on, and who are you close to for a week? <gasps> Ross. Oh, this is such a loaded question. I know, I know. I am on hook. Uh-huh, and who are you getting real close to for a week? Robin fucking Williams. Okay, okay. It's my favorite movie. Okay, I get it, if, I get if it. If I could go back and be his assistant, assistant to Mr. Williams, Ooh. if I could go back and be the assistant to Mr. Williams, I would give up so many years of my future just to see that. Hmm. How about you? Oh, this is hard. Uh, but I feel like I know the answer. What do you think it is? Oh, come on. No, seriously, what do you think it is? You don't want to be... I don't know, so what do you think it is? Come on, you don't want to be first assistant to Ms. Garland? You know what, Carrie? Uh... <laughs> you want to go right. back in time and be Judy Garland's assistant? I kind of do. I would... Okay. I'd go back to I Could Go On Singing. Yeah? In 1963 and be there with Judy Garland... Who is literally making... That movie is so much about her, actually, in real life. Mm -hmm. oh, we should watch it sometime. It's a great movie. We should. Uh All right, guys, that's enough. <laughs> Thank God, I hate February. I know. I hate it every year. <laughs> I'm always in the throes of existential misery in February. <laughs> Glad we could have talked about some fun subjects, though. Oh, my God. So what are we moving on to in March, Carrie Ann? What are we doing next month? Okay, March is, among other things, Women's Appreciation Month, Women's History, all that fun stuff. And we've done a lot of female narratives up until this point, especially for March. 
This year, I would like to put a spin on it, and I would like to look at movies that focus on interpersonal female relationships. The good and the bad. The good and the bad, for sure. Are we going to start off with a baddie? We are going to start off with a baddie. Like, guys, uh, this film's a lot. I can't wait. I know. it's. We're going to lose our minds talking about this. This is going to be some of the closest to true crime we ever actually get on this <laughs> podcast. So buckle up, because next week, we are talking about Peter Jackson's 1994 film, Heavenly Creatures. Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky's debut film. Melanie Linsky, the queen of the Federal Rebellion? Absolutely. Oh my God. Kate Winslet, queen of the Titanic? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's going to be Fabulous and terrifying, if I'm being quite honest. You know Kate Winslet and Kenneth Branagh from the same town? Really? Reading in Berkshire. That's lovely. <laughs> Sorry. In the meantime, guys, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, and retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join and listen to us talk about the ladies. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.